0: Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my God, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So this has been a week of Halloween. Who who did trick-or-treating? Um, no shame if you didn't do trick-or-treating either. Um, our family, we inherited a very Halloween-y house, and so it was kind of like we didn't really have a choice. I think people were expecting that this house is always going to have something, so we have spiders in front of our house, which I, I took down promptly on November 1st. <laughs> um, but Halloween, um, as many of you know, its the origin is All Hallows' Eve, um, the Feast of All Hallows, um, which is All Saints' Day, November 1st. And then the next day after that, in many traditions is called all Souls' Day, so marking not just the saints but all souls of faithful departed and so it's a it 's a period of time it 's a week where there 's many remembrances of those who have um, died in the faith, um, Christian commemoration of saints, and the origin I think of a lot of our uh, our costumes and different things of Halloween, actually had a Christian origin of sort of mocking death, like that death is broken, that its power is emptied. Um, Of course, most of our local celebrations don't have that character anymore. It's more of a celebration of darkness, but it had had an origin in saying that death is defeated and that the saints... um, They aren't wearing red blood-soaked garments, but the white robed army of martyrs that they have been washed clean in the blood of the lamb. So it actually should have sort of celebration of light conquering the darkness. Uh, As I said uh, in the welcome, I was able to go to um, our diocesan convention this last weekend and Bishop Alec preached on um, All Saints and the commemoration of All Saints. And our readings from Philippians, I think were fitting within that, so we made a little bit of an exception. But I think, as you'll see, there's fitting things within Philippians for All Saints um, Sunday as well. And he, um, Bishop Alec, noted how um, it's become common for us to say, well, all Christians are saints. Like, there are saints that are, are marked, that have been canonized by the church but as the Apostle Paul says at the beginning of Philippians, as he says in Ephesians and Colossians, he addresses his letters to the saints in Christ Jesus. And so there is something true. The saints are those who are set apart, who are in Christ. That those who are in Christ have a mystical union with him and we have a mystical union with each other, um, with those who are in him. And our last song um, in the service, which sings of trains and of tea and, and of um, saints being in schools and many commonplaces, is a reflection of, of that truth, um, that we are, in, in a sense, set apart. We are saints um, in Christ Jesus. But saying we're all saints um, is a partial truth. Um, and it, uh, Bishop Alec said it, it's a little bit, um, there's a risk of it being a, a participation award, right? That we're, oh, we're all saints, but my life is very different from St. Francis or from those who have truly been canonized um, who have sacrificed so much within the church. But in a sense, we are still in mystical union um, with them in Christ Jesus. And last week's reading from Philippians 3, which um, Deacon Don shared, uh, Paul notes the difference between those um, those saints. Um, he says that not that I have already attained this, the resurrection of the dead, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the call of the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And so there are those who have received um, the reward, those who have um, died in the Lord and are triumphant. We call those the saints triumphant. And then there's us, the saints militant, the ones who still fight against the sin, the world, uh, the flesh, and the devil. We press on to hold on to Jesus who has grabbed us first. We press on to see Jesus face to face. And last Sunday, in our baptism service at the very end, um, little one year old Anthony, who was a very sweet baptismal candidate, um, if you were here, um, received the sign of the cross. And we say pretty, pretty stark words Receive the sign of the cross as a token of your new life in Christ, in which you shall not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified, to fight. Bravely under his banner against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and to continue as his faithful soldier and servant to the end of your days. There was a time where that prayer, I thought, yes, we're soldiers, but we're also ambassadors. And I think you may, maybe remember, I was like, be a faithful ambassador. But ambassadors are kind of non combatants, right, in a diplomatic sense. Soldiers, we are. We are in, in a battle, in a fight. And so we are marked. Um, and we join the church militant, the saints militant. All Saints Sunday is a day for us to remember, to look back to the saints triumphant. Uh, but it's also a time, as our reading from Philippians says, to look around, to look, at, look around at the examples of those who, um, who follow Jesus. And then finally, to p- continue to press on toward the goal for the prize the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We look to the examples of those who have walked before according to the example of Jesus Christ. We look to those who have received the prize and join the whole company of, of heaven in worship and that's uh, much of the arc of our own worship service in which we join with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. We are mystically unified with them and in a sense we're brought up into that heavenly reality and something that is already and yet not yet. But we also, in the meantime, as we're sent out, we need to look around to those who walk according to the example of Jesus. And then through the example of those both past and present, standing firm together in the Lord, exhorting one another, being like people on the line or in the foxhole, saying, hold and I will fight beside you um, to disciple one another, to stand firm in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so first, we remember on All Saints those who are past. We keep our eyes on those who walked, past tense, according to the example of Jesus Christ. Men of women who walked um, with Jesus. And this All Saints uh, Sunday and in the All Saints season, I often think of uh, my great-uncle John Carlson. Um, in August of 2017, uh, my great-uncle John, my grandmother's brother, and a co-worker of his were killed in an accident um, at the school that they worked at. And John was my um, grandmother's baby brother. He was eight years younger than her. He was ten years younger than his older brother. He was, he was in his late 70s, and yet he still had this like baby-of-the-family kind of, kind of reputation. Um, he drove bus um, for Metro Transit for 30 years. Um, and then a, near the end of his life was part-time custodian at the school. And so he, he was a man of, of modest means. His manner of life is one that usually goes totally sort of unappreciated except for family and neighbors, those who are close at hand. Custodians and bus drivers aren't usually the most highly regarded vocations in our society and people don't usually put up plaques or dedicate buildings or different things to their honor, to their name. However, the tragic circumstances of John's um, death drew attention in a God-ordained only way to his life and his example, his manner of life. The outpouring of appreciation for him was just overwhelming. Newspapers, national news, international news, um, I mean we're an Anglican church, so BBC did pay attention uh, to to his death and noted his life. There were 1,500, maybe 2,000 people who attended his funeral. There were local and state politicians who wanted to be there expressing their condolences, the mayor of Minneapolis, congressional representatives, senators, and all of these figures eulogized him for his humility and his service. He was a cheerful and a talkative man. He encouraged people in in not a very sophisticated way, but very consistently to follow after Jesus, to have a Christian attitude, to be kind to others, to be a servant. Um, Late in his life, he started running um, to run um, and raise money for the school. and He was not a particularly gifted runner, but he he pressed on (laughs) making this run of a mile every year just for the sake of his alma mater. And then finally, he was most um, known, people talked about how he would hand hand out dilly bars uh, to students at the school. These, again, were not sophisticated things, these were not huge, enormous treasures, and yet he was extolled for these examples of service, this self-emptying life. So it was moving to hear other people's praise of John's life, and he wasn't a perfect person, but he was a Christian who in his day-to-day life pressed on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Jesus Christ. And his manner of life, um, which might have otherwise by other circumstances not really been magnified or spread far and wide, certainly not on BBC or international news, those kinds of things, his manner of life was a testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ His words and his actions, again, simple, modest, were expressions of his faith that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And he is now among the saints triumphant. And so on all saints, that's the kind of man um, I remember, as, as well as the other saints as well. But a particular one that I knew. So we remember those who are past, but we also look around um, to those. I mean, You might even want to look around right now. Look around to those who are present in the midst of the church. Keep your eyes on the faithful example of those around you. Philippians is a letter where there's lots of personal examples, examples of what it is to follow Jesus. That Paul is exhorting people not just to look to those who have words, but those who suffer for Jesus Christ's sake. Those who believe in Jesus follow him. And as he himself did, um, put his money where his mouth was. Right, He was writing this letter from prison. He had many examples of, of suffering throughout his ministry. He gives examples as well of um, Timothy, Epaphroditus, those who followed Jesus in joyful service and humility. Each of them, Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus, looking to Jesus who himself became nothing taking the form of a servant, emptying himself, becoming obedient even unto death on a cross. Paul was a a pastor who, it was so important that that words and actions matched and he rejoiced in the Christlikeness of others. He rejoiced in Christlikeness, but he also clearly and publicly corrected those who went astray, those whose example was not worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he gives a caution um, in our reading from today how setting our minds and our hearts on earthly things isn't merely a private decision, something that just, well, maybe I'll do this for a little while or it has no consequence, but it is, in fact, a warfare against the cross of Christ. It has consequences for the community as well as the individual. And I think we might imagine Paul wrote these things, wrote these words, this caution with tears, because he himself had once been an enemy of the cross of Christ. That Saul, pure persecutor of the Christians, God stopped him in his tracks and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And as Deacon Dawn preached last Sunday, the end of earthly mindsets, the kind of isms um, that, that Paul followed or the various sort of isms, different other ways of life that we might be um, um, tempted to all of those end in destruction. They all are passing away. We might gain the world, gain the thing that is contemporary and um, the thing that, that seems to get us, um, get us advancement and praise in this world. We might gain that thing and lose our soul. And so Paul corrects those um, who set their mind on earthly things. And he speaks to how their God is their belly and I think that language of God as their belly is, is speaking not to an idol that is out there, that people could sort of offer uh, food to, an, to a, a physical idol, um, but a fleshly idol of self. And I think, again, Paul's speaking to a fleshly idol of self, that they themselves are the idol. And that could apply to uh, sensuality, to gluttony, uh, to greed, but I think it's referring as well to boasting in the flesh, what, what Paul had spoken about, uh, written about earlier in chapter three. An allusion to those um, who were Judaizers, those who were claiming um, circumcision, those who were claiming the privilege of their, um, their sort of heritage of descent as the way in which they were saved. As well as those who did not eat or did not touch and held at a distance all those who might otherwise come to Jesus. And so it could be, and and those things, gluttony and sensuality are ways in which um, God, our God, our belly can be our God. But I think, again, he's speaking to that boasting in the flesh and that inherited heritage rather than the gift of life in Jesus Christ. And the end of all earthly things, um, again, is destruction. All accolades, they will end. People will forget. The plaques will get rusty. The building that we build and dedicate will crumble, Um, but only um, being in Christ is a thing that is eternal and secure. And God graciously opened Paul's eyes to see the ways in which he was an enemy of the cross and turned him aside so that he might walk with Jesus. And Paul's pastoral compassion um, for those who are going astray is clear um, in his public correction of Euodia and Syntyche. Now, he didn't accuse them of being um, enemies of the cross. I think it's maybe a little different thing that he's correcting. But he did want to correct them, same reminding them of who they were in Jesus Christ. And their correction is essentially um, a reiteration, a repeating of what Paul had written earlier in chapter one. Um, Philippians 1, 27 and 28, he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that I may hear that you are standing firm, that word again, that which you see in chapter four, in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And so he's using, again, he's repeating that sort of language which he's introduced earlier in chapter one. Now this is, this is just an aside, but I think their discipline is evidence um, in, in an interesting way, of the participation and significance of both women and men to the church. That Paul counts them among both the named um, as well as numerous unnamed fellow workers in the church. And that they're, they're noteworthy women. He's giving names that the Philippians would recognize. And it's clear, at least in this passage, though Paul speaks of other ways in, in which um, male men and women are to interact differently, that in this case, their gender is not um, the issue, um, but their personal disagreement, the way that they are not of one mind in Jesus, that's the overarching issue. Yodia and Syntyche walked side by side with Paul and others, and I think he's speaking to the way in which, because they walk side by side with him, they walk side by side with Clement, that they're actually in greater alignment with each other than they actually realize. Um, therefore, let them recognize their agreement, let recognize how they are one in the Lord, um, recognize the agreement and the unity that they already have. And so Paul commits them to his true companion, which I think is Epaphroditus, the one who's delivering this letter, asking, them, asking him to help them, that their names are in the book of life, that they are to remember who they are uh, as the saints, um, saints militant, those who are set apart to follow Jesus. So All Saints, again, it's a Sunday, it's a season, um, really, in in some ways, to look back, uh, to look around to those who follow after Jesus, and together, um, as disciples, press on towards him. To look back, to learn from the manner of life of saints triumphant, those who lived um, their lives as citizens of heaven and now have the fullness of that citizenship today. People who looked to Jesus and his kingdom, not looking to sort of gain advantage in this world according to sort of a, an economy that will, will come to an end, but those um, who are, will be remembered and whose names are written in the book of life. People who looked to Jesus for their glorification. And we're also um, people who look around, look side to side to one another, those who walk side by side with us, to follow, to encourage, to exhort one another, for towards love and good deeds, to walk side by side with one mind, with one spirit and one love, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And that path of walking in our own faithfulness is an example and an encouragement um, and has effect for others. Therefore, press on um, towards the upward call. Press on towards Jesus. And we are to stand firm thus, to stand firm in this way, therefore, in the Lord. Not that we are people, again, who are perfect, not that we are a church that is perfect, but we are people who press on um, towards Jesus, toward that upward call of God and Christ. May each of us um, be people uh, this All Saints Sunday to consider, maybe, can I begin being a person who, without shame or with pride, say, join in imitating me as I imitate Christ? And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us, to to seek with such earnestness to follow Jesus that we might say that with neither shame nor pride. Let us pray. And Almighty God, again, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son. And they're thankful for the local um, body of Christ that is Church, the Redeemer. Give us grace so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living that we may come to those joys that you prepared for those who truly love you through Jesus Christ our Lord who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God in glory everlasting. Amen.